Welcome to Growth Mindset University. My name is Jordan Paris, 21-year-old author and host of this show. And with this show, you and I will embark on a journey to learn the things that we should have learned in school but did not, so that we may take control of our lives while fulfilling our vision of success. Each episode will feature a brand new lesson, and now it's time for today's lesson. So put your thinking cap on, because school is now in session. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Growth Mindset University. My guest today is a 21-year-old college dropout who has already sold one e-commerce business. He also started a talent management agency where he represented Disney stars, YouTubers, and online personalities. He is currently the founder of Signature, a branding consultancy that equips individuals, teams, and organizations with the tools and strategies needed to succeed online, which is so important in today's digital world. They combine brand development with creative services in a way that increases sales and profits. Bogdan Padua, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jordan. I appreciate it. Glad to be on. So the first question I have for you, my friend, is how did you sell an e-commerce business? You're the same age as me, 21, and I can't imagine. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked. And this is something I don't get asked on. Believe it or not, I don't get asked on quite quite a lot because it's such a, it was such a small moment in my life. It actually didn't take much time at all. Uh, I'm, I'm going back in my head right now. I'm, I'm reflecting. And one of my closest friends, his name's Caleb, had been diving into the world of e-commerce. He was studying it. He was learning it. Prior to, to him doing that, we both had an opportunity to connect doing door-to-door sales. So we had that pre-existing business relationship. And he came to me and said, man, these guys online are killing it in e-commerce, bro. Like we need to pay attention to them. So we got together. I remember we rented out a room in a library at a local, a local college, NC State. And we got in front of the whiteboard and we mapped out what we're going to do. And we had, we had no idea uh, what we were going to do, what we were going to sell, how we would market it. But what we did really well is we observed. We studied what was working really well online. And if you were, do you recall on Instagram, I want to say a couple of years ago, when every single picture on your Instagram was like a, a red bikini. And oh, yeah. Was posting that, that everything that we did was inspired by that. We were blown away by what these other, these were other young guys just like ourselves, what they were able to do in like a day. It inspired us in many ways. It spurred us to action. So we said, hey, why don't we model something very, very similar, tweak it a little bit as needed so it's not complete mimicry, but let's let's learn from what these guys did in just a few days. So we started a online brand called the Tipsy Turtle. Now, the, the brand, I will be very clear and transparent. This is not a, a brand that, that we came up with on our own. This, these are not articles of clothing that we manufactured. This was straight up drop shipping, for lack of a better word, okay? Now, what we did is we took a bunch of uh, bikinis, bathing suits that we thought were aesthetic. We put it up on a store, made it look really pretty. But ultimately, when I reflect back on the experience, what made it successful was not the products itself. It was not... Um, it, it, was, it was not that we had this elaborate plan moving into it. It's the fact that we moved very quickly and we recognized the importance 
in building a community around your brand. So what did we do? We said, okay, why don't we reach out to every single college girl that we know on a personal level and offer them an exclusive opportunity to be a tipsy turtle ambassador. We made blueprints and packages. We made this thing look like the best thing on earth. If you recall a few weeks ago, girls are posting, are applying to be a Lululemon ambassador. We, we, we recognize that people want to feel like they're a part of something. So we reached out to every single girl that we knew. We got their feedback on the pieces. They loved them. They wanted to be a part of it. And we made this exclusive club of college girls who were brand ambassadors for Tipsy Turtle. Now, I think where a moment of genius came was when we thought, hey, why don't we incentivize these girls to get more girls to do it? And obviously we made it a requirement that every ambassador had to buy uh, a few suits to be considered a, a real person, a part of the team. And so it became this, I, I hate to say it, it really became this like MLM recruiting thing where every girl that we had was cold calling all her girlfriends saying, you guys need to be a part of the Tipsy Turtle team. And we just built this empire of girls hustling and selling these suits that we had never even seen in person, right? So it's, it's funny to look back on and it got a lot of attention and someone online saw that attention, they admired it and they were willing to put money on it and purchase the whole brand. Now. Uh, since then, it's completely flopped. If you look it up, I don't. I think the store is there. It's, it's not doing anything, and I, I believe the reason for that is because he wasn't able to to mimic the community that we had built. Now, I want to be really clear and transparent. I don't think this is the best route, and I don't advocate anyone doing what we did because the suits weren't that great. The reality is they were drop shipped, and the worst thing you can do is sacrifice or make a lot of money in the short term over a few weeks or months time at the expense of your reputation and your credibility. So it was a learning experience for sure. It made some great, a lot of great money in, in the moment and we learned a lot from it, but I certainly don't want to advocate anyone listening to this uh, do exactly what we did. Bogdan, that's a crazy story. You had me borderline <laughs> like laughing the whole time. That's, that's pretty cool, man. I have to ask you then, it seems with, Every venture, and I could be wrong in saying every, a totalistic statement, but it seems like in most ventures that you've started, you've had a co-founder and a team. Why do you choose to go with a co-founder instead of just taking all the profits yourself? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. I, I don't believe this is a one-size-fits-all. I think this, my answer is rooted in, rooted in self-awareness and recognizing, and I'm really appreciative for this trait and this, what I've developed over, over the course of the last few years, but this self-awareness that allows me to look very clearly in front of myself in the mirror and admit to myself that I don't have it all figured out. I don't have everything, quite honestly, I don't have everything that I need to be successful on my own. Maybe in, in five, 10, 15 years, I'll, have, I'll be well-rounded enough to really lead a team on my own, but I, I care about the end result. I care about winning. I don't care who scores the goal. I want to win the championship. And I'm very fortunate and blessed to have surrounded myself with really great guys, a really good community that started with the door-to-door -door sales who are just hustlers. And they were, they were students who were learning, they were developing, they were chasing down knowledge, wisdom, skills that they needed to be successful. I recognize that. And I, I really saw the, the potential to grow a lot quicker together. And actually today, one of our company's core values is actually that we can make more money with people than alone. You know, it's easy to say, ah, this is my jewel. This is my, my treasure. I'm going to keep all the profit. People who are like that usually 
don't end up making a lot of money from that idea. It's, it's the guys who are saying, look what, I, look what I found, guys. What can we do together? What can we do? And then boom, you see a billion dollar company sprout out of that one seed. So that's been my philosophy. That's obviously something that might change in terms of the dynamics down the road as I mature, as I develop, and um, I, I step into the leadership capabilities that, that I know are there. But up until now, I've just found, um, I found more opportunity to grow quicker and make money faster with the right people on my team. Well, that's very mature of you to recognize that you're not a finished product and that you do have some weaknesses and that a partner is a great way to sort of become a little bit more well-rounded and create the best possible results. And I always say to this African proverb, if you wanna go fast, go alone. If you wanna go far, go together. And that's exactly what your philosophy is right now, it sounds like, so that's awesome, man. Absolutely. Why did you drop out of college? You were going to the University of North Carolina and you dropped out. I did drop out. Now I'll kind of paint you a picture of what was going on at the time. So prior to my dropping out, I was a student, just like you said. Uh, for years, my entire, my entire life, I was a devoted student. I was very diligent, very disciplined. I got really good grades. My parents uh, actually had me, for quite some time, I was homeschooled, right? So I didn't take the traditional route. I was homeschooled. Part of the reason for that is because I was able to get more done in less time, but also because I was um, a committed hockey player. I was an athlete. I wanted to go to the NHL. I thought that's what was going to happen and I would be, be rich. My parents, uh, to some degree, believed the same thing, right? So they invested a lot within me uh, for me to do that. And I was homeschooled. And um, eventually I had to come to terms with the fact that I was not going to the NHL, right? It was, it was not going to happen, just like many athletes do. So I had to do some course correction. Um, and I thought, okay, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to get a degree. I'm going to get a great job and I'm going to be successful. You know, I had always had this entrepreneurial spirit, like a, a seed within me. I was a kid who was going around door to door. I was, um, I was mowing lawns. I was washing cars. I was walking dogs, like from a really, really young age, like to, I want to say 12, 13 years old. I was going around. I was that one kid in the neighborhood. Right. So I knew there was something there that, that was business focused, business minded, something that was placed and put on my life for a reason. And I thought I was going to go to school now. Um, right before it would have been my sophomore year, I decided at the last minute I was going to take uh, what I called was a gap year. And I say this all the time, a gap year to, to me and to my, my parents, it, it was really just a nice way of saying, I'm dropping out. I'm leaving. I'm done. This is not for me. And you can imagine the conversation I had with my mom, someone who is learned, uh, I don't want to say a scholar, but very, uh, very committed to education, learning. She'd sacrifice a career so that I could be homeschooled. Like, I mean, that's the lady who I'm talking to when I say, I'm done. I I'm out of here. This is, this, is, this is my gap year. I might come back, but deep down we both know I wasn't coming back. Now, the reason for that, and that was to pull back to your question, was because I got a job as a door-to-door -door salesperson about eight or nine months prior to that experience. And my job as a salesperson, that role that I was in, completely changed my life forever because for the first time ever, I stood face-to-face -face with my potential, the reality of who I was made to be, what was possible for my life, and I could not bear to see myself do anything else, let alone go into debt to do it. So I made that commitment. Um, by no means was I a great salesman at first. I, I'm sure we'll dive into that later, but 
uh, slowly but surely developed the skills and uh, had the confidence um, to say, you know what, I can make something happen. I, I had this something within me was like, man, you know what, it's going to work out. Like, I know how to make a buck. I know how to make a buck, so I'll be all right. So that was, those are some of the events that have transpired and have led up to my uh, deciding school's not for me. Do you ever think that the curriculum is just no good? That oh. education is just falling tragically short? Oh my goodness. Don't even get me started, man. Absolutely. Here's the thing. You and I both agree. I'm looking at you right now. I'm sure the listeners can't see you, right? But I'm looking at you sitting in front of like, I want to say 50 plus books. And I can, re I recognize some of them. These are great books around you. So everyone on this call right now, and I'm sure everyone listening knows that there's value, incredible value in knowledge, in information and learning. Now, the problem is exactly what you said. It's the curriculum. It's the wrong information. It's outdated. If you take a marketing course today, you're going to spend thousands of dollars for it. The reality, it's not teaching growth hacking principles that are working today. It's teaching you stuff that worked in the past. And when you leave school and you come into a big company, that's, that's why we're seeing all these humongous organizations that have been around for years, decades, and if not hundreds of years, just tank and they're, they're, they're losing at a rapid pace because they're out of touch with what works. So I recognize that I saw this pattern um, within other people where they just kind of blindly followed what was told to them and uh, they never questioned, uh, Hey, is, is there, is there a better way? Is there a faster way for me to get the result I want? And unfortunately I recognize that. And um, I said, you know what, that curriculum that what, what's being taught, isn't really going to make me any better. And ultimately that's why I wanted to go to school in the first place was to get better so I could get a good job and get paid and, and live up to my potential. I didn't, quite honestly, I didn't care about hanging out or partying or any of that. I, I absolutely despised the idea that college was the best four years of your life. And that was it. And after that, your life's over. And like the, I mean, I remember when I was about to drop out, people would, uh, I had parents, um, uh, girlfriends at the time, uh, their, their parents would say, man, you just need to be a kid. You need to just enjoy yourself. These are going to be the best years of your life. And I just, I got in fights with people because I was like, no, it's not. Why would this be the best four years of my life? So I could keep going, but hopefully that answers your question. I mean, absolutely. A hundred percent. The curriculum, what's being taught is, is, is not what's relevant and certainly not what works today. Definitely Bogdan. I feel the same way. I posted something on LinkedIn this week. Uh, I posted a couple of things on LinkedIn this week about education just because I'm back to school this week. So I'm feeling it. And I'm sorry, man. I'm just, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm mourning the loss of my freedom and dignity, but anyway, and my, my earnings potential over the next four months, but I posted on LinkedIn, how a college degree, you know, whenever I get a receipt, from a cashier, especially at a grocery store, like I don't, I don't need it. Plus it has BPA all over it. So I say, you know, no thanks, you can keep it, just throw it away. Yeah. When I get my college, when I'm walking across the stage, I get my college degree, I'll probably say the same thing. Oh yeah. And so, <laughs> because it's, it's literally a receipt. It is, and I got, listen, I got, you know, I got a lot of people that absolutely loved what I said. And a lot of people that ripped me apart. The overwhelming majority, agreed with me, even, even professors, even professors agree with me. I got a message from a professor at UCF, uh, you know, saying how she agreed with me and, and all that and how it's great that I'm voicing this. And you know, the, the degree is a receipt. It is proof that you 
were scanned into forking over $120,000 and proof that you conformed to societal norms. And, and the best part about this, because the analogy, you know, I just kind of came up with it like two weeks ago that a degree is a receipt. Right. It got 60,000 views. I think it's sitting at like oh, 60. Yeah. Didn't it perform super well? Like, yeah. So, so I'm hoping people steal this analogy and just start using it and it spreads. <laughs> hey guys, that's me. I started that. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's really, that's just straight up true. It, it is straight up true. I, I, I hate the way that, I hate that that's the way it is. And um, I don't know, it's kind of interesting to think about uh, the whole topic of education in college and whether it's right for you or not. And um, I've, there's certain, I can see certain, I can appreciate certain perspectives. And I do believe for some people, it might be exactly what they need. It's, it's again, it's not a one size fits all. I certainly, I, I want to make, make it clear. I wouldn't recommend everybody. If I could have it my way, I would not recommend everyone just drop out of school. I think that would, I think that would be a disaster. I don't think that would, that would end well, at least in the, I think things will change over the next 10, 20 years drastically where that the, like the other um, avenues for education will be there and they will be short, they'll be effective and they'll set people uh, in the right direction and on the right foot. But um, it's, it's certainly not something everyone should do. And I think that's where it comes back to self-awareness. Well, yeah, I don't want the outcome to have to be dropping out of school. I want it to be, cause I love growth and education and learning. I want the outcome to be that the curriculum is revamped to incorporate relevant learning outcomes, stuff that is working today, stuff like I'm a marketing major, stuff yeah. like Seth Godin. He just wrote this new book uh, right here. This is marketing and incredible book. Uh, you know, why aren't we learning how important it is to identify that smallest viable audience? You know, the small tribe of raving fans that you can charge a premium price to yeah. because you they pay you for what you create the thing you create rather than them paying you for being on the clock oh yeah you know and being in that race to the bottom with these competitive prices yeah. uh, like we're just we're just not learning this sort of stuff yeah and and, and which is i i mean i'm a marketing major i can't believe we're not learning that but here's the thing i want to jump in yeah where there's a problem what you're pointing out is, is a problem when I see problems, I see opportunity. I see an incredible opportunity to step in and be that change agent for growth so that people are getting what they need to be the best, uh, best version of themselves, to step into the fullness of their potential, right? So I don't know what that looks like. Certainly, I certainly don't have all the answers, but I, I'm excited by the prospect of education changing, that curriculum changing. And I want to see, I have no idea what it's going to look like, but I know it's going to be really cool to see how things change over the next 10 to 10 to 20 years i agree man i to your point i i hate being a complainer all the time you know just identifying the problem 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 uh, the solution being more solution oriented uh I, I see exactly what you're saying and you know i think a lot of people are talking about this right now a lot of people even seth godin himself is talking about this a lot of people are bringing this issue to light and i think I think there's going to be some major progress done in the next 10, 20, 30 years. It's going to be, I think education 
I would bet my life that it'll be completely different in 30 years, you know, max. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm definitely excited about that. The world is getting better. It's, it's, uh, everything's getting better. So Bogdan, you started to talk about your sales journey Mm -hmm. and how bad you were at the beginning what was it that took you to that next level? Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna pull myself back in, into the into the moment there when I kind of first started. I'd always been very ambitious. I'd always had this ambition with me, like I always wanted to win. I don't know what I don't know if that's nature or nurture. I always wanted to win. Whatever I put my mind to, I wanted to be exceptional. I wanted to excel. Now, when I, uh, I pestered my friends who had had the door-to-door sales job, convinced them to introduce me to the right people so I could get an opportunity, um, I, I remember sitting in a room where the leader of the organization said, he was standing in front of dozens of guys and said, one of you is going to be an all-star. There's one of you that's going to absolutely crush it. And every guy in the room is always thinking that's going to be me. But I really knew that that was going to be me. Like, I knew every, I had the, I just felt everyone in the room feeling that they were going to be the one. And I knew at the end of the day, it was going to be me, right? So I, from the get, I moved into this, this realm with this high, high, high level of confidence. Now, um, this meeting was held on a Friday night. And the plan was that you'd get with the leaders and you'd set a plan for the next week. You'd start the next day. Um, but I was hungry. It was like a seven or it was like a seven or eight o'clock meeting by the time it had wrapped up. And I was like, I want to go now. Like, I want to do this. I can freaking go. So I left that meeting. It was at the, the time of year. It was pitch black outside. The weather wasn't very nice. But I went straight from that meeting to the nearest neighborhood. I, re- I remember it so vividly. The very first door that I knocked on, I was amped up. I was nervous, right? I was as nervous as ever, but I was excited. Everyone who's ever done door-to-door knows that first door, you are going to be so, so nervous. And you have to be okay with that. I went up to that door, I was ready to go. I remember very, very distinctly from the back of the room somewhere, I couldn't see the person, but it sounded like an old lady who just screamed out, I am calling the cops, go away, I'm calling the cops. And by that, obviously that was my first experience. I was like, I was, I was frightened, I was shook, right? So I, I left that neighborhood, I drove to a different one and I started over. And that night, I ended up knocking on shy of, I want to say, 100 doors back to back to back to back. And I, I, I want to say unfortunately, but fortunately, I didn't make a single sale. I didn't make a single sale. And I felt absolutely horrible. And to your question, I think it was deep within me was this feeling that I could do better. I knew that wasn't all I was capable of. I knew I wasn't going to fail at this thing. So at that very moment, I made a commitment to excellence, to mastery, whatever it took, I would do it to make sure that I was the best at that one thing. And at the time, obviously it was door to door sales and communication. So slowly but surely I started building up those skills. I, um, I got better and better and better. And I reflected back on some of the times and I, I was able to, to put myself back in, in my shoes when things weren't it going well and recognize where I had started and that encouraged me. I remember one time at the beginning when I was just starting, I was, uh, I was asked to present in front of the whole group of guys and, and to do my pitch. 
And keep in mind, this is when I first started. My pitch was not very good. And I didn't know I was going to get asked. They just like called me up and I was asked. And I, at the time, I mean, I've, we can dive into fear and stuff later, but I was, I was absolutely scared to death. And I was nervous. I was shaking. I was, I'll never forget it, man. It's so embarrassing. I was literally sweating on my forehead, perspiring because I was so scared of, of doing that one thing, just speaking in front of other people and, and putting myself out there. So I, in moments of weakness, I reflect back on the, those, those moments and say, man, that's where I started. Here I am now. And I, I, I knew deep down that there was behind that fear was the man that I was supposed to be. I was created, hidden behind that one thing was the person I was meant to become. So I made that commitment, but most importantly with the commitment, I took action. I, I took disciplined uh, action that was rooted in refined focus where nothing else mattered but that one thing. So for the next year, I committed to greatness. I got enough reps in and, and, and by the end of it, I had developed some skills. Well, what does committing to greatness look like does that mean studying communication i think it's a combination of a few things i think it's 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 learning and doing if i were to categorize it in a way i think i'd say it's learning and doing so the way i structured it at the time because keep in mind i was still i was still a student i was um taking even though i was in high school i was taking college courses at a local community college full-time so I had a lot of discretion in terms of how I spent my time and I, I had every single day accounted for. I had every week planned out and I was either, if I wasn't doing school related stuff, I was either selling door to door or I was working out or I was learning how to sell door to door. So this, I became an absolute maniac when it came to, when it came to consuming content. So I studied the, the Grant Cardones and the Tony Robbinses and the Gary Vees. Half the, half the books you're, you're standing in front of, I probably read them at least once or twice. And I just became obsessed with it because I was rooted. I, that action was rooted in a why, a direct correlation to why I was doing what I was doing. Now, it, it, ultimately, I, I think to answer your question, it, it's those two things. It's, it's going to be learning and doing. When I think of a commitment, I think setting a clear plan of action and then learning, becoming a student, doing whatever it takes to learn everything you can to soak it up and absorb it. And then most importantly, and this is where a lot of people get stuck, don't just absorb that content, actually take action on it, test it, do the thing. And in the doing, I learned more than I ever could have uh, standing by, sitting behind a book. So I think the fact that I was able to do both exceptionally well with an extreme level of focus and commitment, I think that was the, the, the key ingredient there. Good point you touch on. Don't just be a collector of information and cool facts. You can do that, but don't just do that. Take the action. Don't be a passive learner. Be an active learner. Do it. Try it. Experiment. So what sort of books have you read twice? What books have I read twice? So one of my favorites is actually an audio book. It's by Tony Robbins. It's called Mastering Influence. I'm not sure. Have you, have you read it? Or have you heard of it? I, I do have a Tony Robbins audio, uh, not even an audio book, but like a, an old fashioned tape from the, from the nineties in my car, but I don't think it's that. No way. Yeah. So this, I'm sure this one is so, so old. I can just tell it's old, but it's a, it's basically, if I recall correctly, it's a 10 day program, an audio book 
that breaks down communication. It's called mastering influence. So it's all about persuasion and communication and getting what you want out of life, communicating something, conveying what you want, understanding whom you're speaking to, listening um, actively, and then taking that information to ultimately serve both parties. So I, I love studying communication. I love seeing, when I see people like Tony Robbins speak, man, I just, something within me just jumps. Even like, I might not agree with everything the guy says, and I'm, you know, that's the case with anybody, but something within me says, man, this guy's got it. So I, I recognized that when I first started doing the door-to-door stuff, and I knew that the, 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 the one gap, the one thing that I didn't have that I needed to be the best, a rock star door-to-door salesperson, was the ability to connect was the ability to communicate, to convey a message very clearly, concisely, in a way that evokes emotion, right? And then being able to logically justify what I, whatever I was asking. So I would say that uh, Tony Robbins' Mastering Influence, it was something that one of the leaders within the organization, um, Christian was his name, and I'm still great friends with him today. He was kind enough to, to give to me, and I listened to it, I want to say, at least half a dozen times over. And it's just something that it's seeped into my subconscious, and I, I've certainly, I want to say, I've certainly embodied uh, many of those principles uh, since then. Awesome. Bogdan, before we go any further, we got to lay this out chronologically a little bit mm-hmm. with the sales job, with the talent management agency, with yeah. Signature, and what else am I for? Oh, and selling, selling the business and dropping out. Can you put those in order before I sure, ask my next sure. couple of questions? Sure, sure. So the fir- first thing that came was the door-to-door sales job. Then I dropped out and then I kept doing door-to-door. The only difference is I took that business model and I said, you know what? I can do this. And then I partnered up with one of my best friends who's now my current business partner as well. And we took that business model, modified it, tweaked it. So did that. And then while I, and then right after I had, I did that, I got a job as a sales manager for a marketing agency. Then uh, through that, I got interested in the talent management. And between those two things was when I had the little side hustle with my friend to do the e-commerce. And then after all of that is signature, which is what we do today. So I'm happy to elaborate and actually like kind of tell the story there, but those oh, will. that's, that's, uh, that's how things played out. I'd like to highlight in there as well. It sounds like you got a job without a degree. I did. Yeah. <laughs> People did. forget that you can do that or they don't realize that you can. I hacked this, guys, I, I hacked the system. I have this secret no one knows about. <laughs> <laughs> What's the secret? The secret is it only matters if you think it matters. At the end of the day, it only matters if you think it matters. I got that job. The guy who hired me, and I, he actually became a business partner of mine. So imagine this, a college kid walking into a relationship gets hired or into an organization rather gets hired. And then we do well enough together. We become business partners. I think the, the secret is that I had real skills that made a difference for that employer. And ultimately I, 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 I know that these business owners care about one thing. They care about growing their business. Either the person they're sitting in front of at that interview can help them do it or not. And I had built up the skills that allowed me to communicate the fact that I could do that and how I was going to do it. And the guy, his name's Joe, and I'm still great friends with him today. He didn't ask for my resume. He didn't have to. He, he knew that I knew what I was going to help him, right? And I had such a high d- degree of conviction 
that he bought into it and he hired me. And I want to make things very clear. It's not just inflated confidence. It's be, it, it happened at, after I had invested the time to actually skill up, to build something of value that someone else would pay for. So if I could give the secret, I, I'd say it's that. Build a life, not a resume. That's important. There you go. Where have I heard that from? <laughs> That's a good one. I, I don't know where I originally heard it, but I posted it to LinkedIn about a month ago. And yeah, I don't, I, I really don't know where I first heard we'll just it. Say you, you created it from here, here on, here on. <laughs> no, we can't say that because I definitely, definitely heard it from somewhere, someone. <laughs> don't give me credit. I'm it's, gonna just, get in trouble, man. it's just a guiding philosophy. That's it. Yeah, but uh, say so your talent management agency, tell me a little bit about that and how you acquire such high profile clients as a young individual yourself. Right. Yeah. So, so I'll kind of tell the story in, the, in my preface. In preface You're a great storyteller. Let's go. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. So um, going back to the time that I got that job, right. I landed my first real job. Um, I was a, by, by title, the definition I was, I was a sales manager. Effectively. I was just in charge of running sales for a marketing agency and the agency specialized within the geek pop culture and entertainment industry, which is kind of interesting, right? Like there, uh, we see today, you got, you and I live in this space, everyone and their younger brother and their cousin runs a marketing agency. They're all digital marketing experts, right? They've got the secret sauce. Now, something to me caught my eye when I saw the words entertainment industry, pop culture geek there was something there I, I don't know what it was within me. it was like man that's unique that's different it caught my eye so I was introduced my current my current business partner uh, uh, this, there's a lot of moving parts here my current business partner has a background in media he's he's the honestly the best videographer that I know many of the people in our community knows he's built up this reputation for for, for creating great content great production so he was approached by the, the CEO of that company. I'll never forget it. He cold called my business partner while we were both working out in the, in the gym. And he said, hey, man, I saw that you, you, you do influencer stuff. Like, let's talk. So they ended up meeting without me, and they built a business relationship. And he was, provide, he was directing strategy, supporting on content and media. And then eventually I was introduced to the guy. His name's Joe. Um, and we hit it off. Um, I remember we had lunch together and he remembers it as well. I asked him, I, I kind of challenged him. I was like, so you don't have any, any salespeople right now who are, who are doing, who are actually performing, who are doing really well. And I said something to the effect of why wouldn't you give me a shot? Like really? Why, why wouldn't you? I let me try it. So I, I guess that left an impression with him. So ended up getting that role. And then within my, my time spent I, at that company, I, I basically traveled. It was so cool, man. I was able to, I was fortunate enough to travel all around the world, attending these different comic cons, these trade shows, these, these events and expos, meeting with business owners, and then obviously in an effort to sell them on our marketing services. So I developed, I was able to continue developing those sales skills, but I also learned a little bit about marketing. You know, up until then I had been a sales guy but I didn't have those technical skills that, that, that the creative mindset and capacity that's needed to dominate online today. So it was so cool to be able to see, to, to immerse myself within that world. And, um, 
both the CEO of that company and I noticed a trend. And the trend was that every single client that we were speaking to was asking for influencer marketing. You know, every single one. They didn't know what to pay. They didn't understand it. They didn't know what to charge or how to measure success, but they wanted it. I want influencer marketing. Who do you got? And we heard that over and over again. So we said, okay, well, shoot, we should probably put some attention on this, this whole influencer marketing um, world. So we did. And what I did was I just started reaching out to talent. I recognized that all these brands that were coming to us were asking us, who do we got? Who do we have? Who can we get them in touch with? They wanted a connector, someone who could connect the dots there. So I, I mean, quite honestly, I just started going to Instagram and I remember I would spend every Saturday, every Sunday in front of my laptop and I'd have two windows open, one with Instagram, one with a Google spreadsheet. And I would just one by one click on profiles, copy the email address and the username, the name, copy the email address, the username and the name over and over and over and over again, thousands and thousands of times over for weeks. Right. And at the time I didn't really know what I was doing or what, how we were pitching it what we were doing, but we just put ourselves out there, started enough of these conversations over and over again. We did it at scale and uh, slowly but surely we got the conversations and obviously then uh, once you get the conversation you gotta get you gotta have something there that is of substance of value and um, surprisingly enough I guess we were able to convince some of these talent to take us or, or their parents or their families or the decision maker to take us seriously enough to let us uh, negotiate some deals on their behalf and connect them to brands and we started doing that and then we learned oh that's how that works oh okay okay cool and then once you once you once you have that that's that starting communication you have to be willing to take the next step and for for us that meant investing into flights to go out and meet these people one-on-one -on -one. and man once you have that personal connection it, it's it's done especially if you're good half good at what half decent at what you do so we continued building these relationships. We continued testing things out. And here we are today with, with some really awesome relationships. But quite honestly, I didn't have any secret sauce. I didn't have any, there was no uh, course that I took. I didn't have any inside connections to the industry at all. Like I was a complete no name reaching out cold via email. Right. And, and at that, I have a weird name, right? Like Bogdan Padua, where they probably think I'm some foreign guy trying to hack them. Like, I, I don't know what, I don't know what people are thinking, but the reality is I didn't have anything there. I just had the hustle to just keep going and going and going. And I don't know, some, something within me said it's going to pay off. And uh, fortunately I, I was right. So that's been the strategy so far. And once you have that one relationship, obviously it spreads and you build a reputation for being great once you have there. But once you get in, then it's a lot easier, but man, it, it, it's not without a lot of grueling uh, work on the front end. Definitely Bogdan. That's the iceberg illusion. You know, totally cliche or at least cliche to me. I hear it all the time. You only see the tip of the iceberg, the highlights, you don't see all the hard work underneath the surface of the water, which is the majority of the, of the iceberg. And I, I can, I can re totally relate to you. I mean, the amount of hours that I just spend on the computer doing, I mean, if you, I mean, I, I, you know, we get the camera on us for the highlights, right? Imagine if we had the camera, a camera on us just like in the corner of the room pinned on us for you know the the underneath the iceberg all the the dull tasks all the the like the real hustle and the hard work it would be so 
boring. So boring. I'm on the computer for hours doing tasks that just take forever and they're, and they're, you know, it's hard work and, and it's frustrating sometimes, but it's what is necessary, especially when you're just getting going. Oh yeah. It's, it's what you do when no one else is watching when no one else is around. That's something I learned in sports. I was big into fitness and it, it ultimately it's when I was in the gym, it's, it's not about what you do when there's a cute girl next to you. Right. It's like, what do you do when it's butt crack of dawn, no one's in the gym and you got 45 minutes to hit it. It's like that mindset I think what is what had carried over into business and has really served me well over the long term. So, Absolutely. It's, it's boring, but it's just the price you got to pay. Definitely, Bogdan. So now you have started Signature, and which is a branding consultancy, of course. And I'd love for you to sort of tell us about that a little bit and why you have created Signature. And I'll just say right off the bat that going to the website, you can see, and, and you would hope, because it is a branding consultancy, but the brand, you know, you practice what you preach. You've got a clean, clean brand. One of, I, you know, I develop websites, so I'm a stickler on websites, and the majority of them that I go to absolutely suck. <laughs> Yours is good. You pass the eye test, and the brand is very clean. You convey a very strong branding image with that website and everything that you're doing. So tell me a little bit about that, why you've created it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's crazy looking back because it's, it's easy. As much as I like to say, I approached every environment with a plan of attack and I had the vision. I knew exactly where I was going. The reality is I didn't. And quite honestly, I, I still don't know exactly how things will pan out. Like I see that the end and end vision but what's in between sometimes is a little bit fuzzy, right? So I, I, I think it would, it would not be true if, if I said I always had the plan. I always had it all figured out. I, I don't think that's the case at all. It's just a byproduct of, uh, of me adapting and responding to what's right in front of me, you know, and, and recognizing, oh, okay, this is really cool. Why don't I take that? Why don't I take that and make it a little bit better? Oh, okay, then we can add this person to the mix, and then we could go to this new, new industry, right? So... Um, I was, I guess to take us back, I was doing the talent management stuff. I, so I got the job right as a sales manager for marketing agency, ended up partnering with the CEO on the talent management. And then I left as the sales manager. So I go, uh, I go from being the sales person for his marketing company to being his partner in the talent management space. And at the time, all of our talent needed high quality, consistent, engaging content. It was the difference maker, the, the key ingredient that a lot of these talent know that they needed to survive and to thrive, but they didn't have someone who could do it. You know, they could record the content, but shoot, it's a lot of work to distribute that appropriately, right? So, and, and, and much more to piece it together in the right way. So, um, I noticed that. Uh, my business partner at the time certainly did. And uh, thankfully, I had that pre-existing relationship with that one business, older business partner who did the door-to-door sales stuff with me. His name is Matt. Matt Hubble, and he's still my business partner today. He's my best friend, and we run Signature together. But to take us back, our talent 
needed the media. So I reapproached him. Obviously, we had that pre-existing business relationship. And I said, man, these talent need media. They need content. Help us out. And he started doing the remote editing. He started turning it around. And obviously, he did it at such a high level that it left an impression with me. Um, and after that, uh, it kind of just made sense for us to uh, for us to come back together. You know, it, it made sense for us to join forces. Um, and we did. So I ended up leaving that talent management, officially that talent management company. He ended up leaving his media company. But really, we were just rebranding both of our independent companies, bringing them under one banner, under one name, um, so that we could go further together. And to pull back to one of the core values that we talked about earlier, it's like, I knew that the media, the content, the creative side, that was where I did not know anything. That was a weakness. And I knew that with the digital landscape of today, that would hinder me. I would fall well short of my, my potential if I didn't have someone on the team who was a master of that one thing and, and get them on the team quickly. So that was a smart move on his part to partner with me and my part to partner with him. And today we run Signature and we do it because, and to, to pull it to the why, we do it because we, we want to help people. You know, we want to help people. We see so many people go into business and they're, they have no idea what they're doing. They might be an accountant who's great at accounting, but can't get any clients because no one knows who he is. He doesn't have the right brand messaging. He's not approaching people in the right way. He's not retaining them. He's not leveraging some of the strategies and tools that are available to us online. And to me, that, that stinks. You know, that guy has a family. He has kids that, that are counting on him to provide and do the right thing. And it would, I would be doing myself and certainly him a disservice if I didn't put myself out there to, to help him, you know? And that's just where we thrive. It's the, the, we love um, creative storytelling. We love dissecting problems and reverse engineering plans of actions and solutions um, for those problems. And it's where we're able to make the most money because it's what we're best at, you know? And it's, a, it's an area that I'm fascinated by and I, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm an expert at it, but I know a heck of a lot more than most people do. And my business partner would say the same thing. And we're able to approach, especially these baby boomers, those who are out of touch with what's working today and say, look, you think you need all that stuff. What you really need is this. And it's that simple. Let's freaking do it. Let's get to work. And that one suggestion, even if it's just one-on-one -on -one in a consulting um, chat or, or uh, some type of advisory role, that makes all the difference sometimes. So I'm able to sleep well at night knowing that, that uh, we're making a difference as a team. You have an office for Signature, don't you? We do, yeah, I'm sitting in it right now, actually. Ah, oh, beautiful, yeah. beautiful, wow. Yeah, so this is like our micro, we actually have outside of there, we have, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty nice, pretty big and, and Yeah, open. dude, this is gorgeous. And how many employees do you have? So we, we actually, we, we cut some people, unfortunately, over, we had to let some people go over um, the last four weeks because we really audited ourselves and where we are. Right now, we're a team of four. Um, before that, we had eight. Um, and keep in mind, we started Signature back in May of 2018. And so we grew very, very, very quickly, right? And I think that is, that's, um, uh, that's something that I'm certainly appreciative for. Um, and it obviously has served us well, but there are a lot of things that I've learned and I think, um, I think we're, we're headed in the right direction right now, but yeah, to answer your question, we're a team of four. Definitely. Awesome, man. Is work fun for you? 
Yes and no. Yes and no. So, the, so there, are there are two, two, two answers to that question. They're both true, believe it or not. Yes and no. I love work. I love it. I'm obsessed with it. I wake up every day and I, I love doing what I do. I love waking up on a Saturday, getting to the gym early, going straight to the office like I did today, knowing that I get to jam out with a guy like you. And after this call, I get to go to the couch or go to the table and like do more work and get ahead. You know, I want to dominate. I want to like, I want to crush everyone in my way. I want to, I want to win as a team, you know? So I wake up and I love what I do because I know I'm, I'm getting closer to my goals every single day. Now the flip side of that question is no, every moment of every day is not joy to me sometimes it's not pleasure let's and anyone who tells you that that's that's their, their life from from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to bed they're either lying to you or i would argue they're not living up to their potential because they're not stretching themselves the reality is my business partner is a phenomenal editor he's amazing at what he do, does but every time he's sitting crunched over editing videos yeah let's be honest he doesn't always love to do it he doesn't always feel like doing it i don't like waking up early, going to the gym super early so I can make it to the office early and get a head start on my day. I don't, quite honestly, I don't always like making cold calls. A lot of times I'm not feeling it. I'm not in the mood, even though it's what comes naturally and I might thrive. I, deep down, I, sometimes I hate it, you know? So I guess it's, it's yes and no, man. I, in the moment sometimes, there are moments of weakness or there are moments where it's challenging and I would say, no, I don't love it. That would be a lie. If anything, I hate it. But I'm so rooted in my why, why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm so rooted in the end goal, the vision, that deep down it's like a twisted satisfaction in, in the pain. It's like when you're working out, it's like, this hurts so bad, but I love it at the same time. I, if I could draw any type of analogy or illustration, I think it would be that. I agree. Arnold Schwarzenegger talks about it when he was training and you know he's got to do a thousand more sit-ups it wasn't, oh, I got to do a thousand more sit-ups. It's, oh, I get to do a thousand more sit-ups. It's getting me to closer to being Mr. Olympia, which is my ultimate goal. And so that sounds like the mindset you have adopted. Man, when I think about people who aren't doing well, they aren't succeeding, or you, or, or let me be clear, they're not just not succeeding, but you can see when they're doing what they're doing, that one thing, they're not in it. They're not present. They're not, their energy isn't there. There's no enthusiasm. They're just kind of checking the boxes, going through their day. When people are that way, it tells me one thing and one thing only. They are, they are rooted in purpose. They aren't rooted in a why because if they had a strong enough why, let's all, let's, we all know they would be doing that thing at a different level. So I think it, it comes down to the self-talk and reminding yourself why you're doing what you're doing. Just like the illustration you made with, with Arnold. He was able to talk to himself into enjoying the pain because it was getting closer to that end goal. And I think if, if you, as, a, as a generation, we as millennials can learn to, to develop that self-talk and to, to pull ourselves out of the present pain and misery, perhaps, or, or discomfort, and put ourselves five years or 10 years down the road where that thing paid off, we can learn to do that, exercise that muscle. I think we'll be better off and and we'll succeed at a higher level much more quickly than we could have otherwise. Our friend Nico made a post about it. Our mutual friend Nico mm -hmm. said, I guess it, it adjacently relates a little bit, but people's intent when they're doing it for the right reasons or they're doing it for their purpose, 
that greater cause, that greater vision, or they're doing it for the money. And when people are doing it for the money, they, a lot of times they're miserable. Right. And so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how closely that relates, if at all. It's just what came to mind. <laughs> it, it does because no, it, it absolutely does relate. And I think that's a great point because well, you see a lot of people, they go, they, they say, Oh, I want to, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to start my business. And you start asking them questions and, and, and to preface this, let's be clear, making money is a great thing. That's a, that is a component. Everyone who's in business should want to make money. Let's not hide it. You don't need to be ashamed of it. It's an important thing, but there has to be a little bit more to it. There has to be a little bit more to it because anyone who is, has half a brain and is sane would not want to sign up for it. If, if that's all that there was, in my opinion, I, I think it has to be rooted in a, in a deeper why, because, and um, I think Steve Jobs says this, it's like, if you don't have that strong, he says, if you don't love it, I would twist it. I'd say, if you don't have a good solid reason, if it's just the money, the temporary stuff, it's, you're not going to have the guts to endure the hard times to sit in your office at 8 PM on a Friday when you'd rather go home and sleep or go to a party, you know? So, I, I agree completely. I think the it's not just having reasons. It's not just having whys. It's the right whys that spur you. That something within you jumps, right? It's not an external like logic. But yeah, I want more money. I want the car. It's like, ooh, there's something here. And I will do everything in my power to live that one thing out. So if I could add, any, add anything to that, it would be that. Yeah. It, sort of what we were talking about before we got on the call and it was actually a good conversation. I might even mix it into the episode, but <laughs> the external. That's the best stuff, man. Yeah, <laughs> man. The external motivation versus the internal inspiration. The, the, ex, the external motivator of, of the, you know, the money of people pushing you and versus the internal inspiration of that cause that literally pulls you instead of pushes you. So exactly. totally, man. Yeah. What does fun look like for you outside of work now you're human right like you have off time certainly yeah i certainly i'll be honest i don't have as much off time as i used to right when i lived what i like to what was what others objectively would call a balanced life right where i had time with friends and i had work and i had sleep and i had play and tv time and like i don't have that type of balance anymore and i still love it Right. I, I still love the fact that in many ways my life is in the extremes. But to your point, yes, I'm still human. I love uh, connecting with people, um, but I also love being alone and recharging and reading books on my own. I, I like going home and I like learning. I like waking up in the morning or going to bed at night knowing that I took steps towards reaching my goals. And it's not just business related goals. Like it's on a personal level, spiritual level. Like I, I want to be able to give back to community. I want to, I want to help people at scale. And if I could answer your question, I mean, what I love doing, I love working out. I love getting better. And that's a very general, very vague answer, but whether that's getting uh, closer to family, you know, and nurturing relationships that I have there, or it's hanging out with friends and, and going out and, and grabbing dinner with them and, and brainstorming ideas and, and answering questions and, and thinking through uh, creative solutions to problems that we see today. You know, I love doing stuff like that, but I, I also love the grind. I love waking up early and I love going to the gym and walking out of that gym thinking, man, 
I'm up before everyone else. And I already hit a workout. I already smashed it. And now I'm going to get to work sooner. And I'm going to beat them. Like, I'm really, if you can't tell, I'm sure you have already, I've already sensed this, but I'm, I'm really competitive. So my definition of fun is doing what I love with people I love. And what I love is getting better and solving problems. That's what I'm all about here. Growth and getting better. And I am actually... Funny you say that about being competitive. I was the most competitive. I, I mean, I still am the most competitive person, uh, you know, for for miles. And I would, my younger brother, I would, I would beat him and everything, you know, because he's three years younger. But I, I had to win everything. I still have to win everything. And I am an ultra competitor. And my brother it was so funny. You know, he got sick of it. He got sick of the losing, and he's not as competitive as me. But but he just couldn't take the emotional abuse of losing anymore. He, towards the end of our playing days, you know, basketball and baseball and football in the yard, he said, I'll only play if you let me win. That was his famous line. <laughs> here's, here's one thing I'll add to that. I, while I'm appreciative for the competitive nature that I have, and I believe it's a core component to my identity, and it's going to serve me well over the long term. I, I don't doubt that uh, one bit. I will say that there are – it needs to be, it needs, there's an element of maturity. I think that comes with it because I can reflect back and it's so embarrassing for me to even say this, but even when I was running some of those door to door sales teams that were, they were on my, they were my team. Like I objectively, I made money when they did well and I, I made more money when they did even better. There were times because keep in mind, sometimes I would, I would want to go out there and hunt something within me was like, man, you can't just sit back and have everyone else going. Like, I wanted to be out there knocking on doors too. Something within me, like I would get mad when someone on my team, literally on my team, had sold more than me that day, had done better than me. Like I couldn't, I could, it didn't sit well with me. And they're on my team. Like how bad is that as a leader? You know, that's where I think the maturity does come into place. Like, look, dude, like now that's that that's the side of uh, comp the, the competitive coin where. It's, it carries over and it crosses over into almost this overween, this hubris, right? This, this pride, this, this ego that's, that is the enemy, that is not serving you, that is not helping you get any better. It's actually limiting you and your potential. So um, I, just, I just felt like I'm supposed to kind of throw that out there because while being competitive, wanting to hunt, wanting to win is phenomenal and it's mandatory if you're going to succeed at the highest level, it also it, it can't be without the humility and the, the long-term vision needed to, to maintain it. Now, and now that's changed though, with, you know, what you said in the beginning of the interview, now you don't really care who scores. You just want to win the championship. You want to win with your team. So I acknowledge you for, for getting over that hump there and transforming that, that area of your life. You. So how is entrepreneurship changing in 2019 and beyond? I am so glad you asked that question. It's really, really exciting for me to think about because some of the things that we, we got glimpses of in 2016 and 2017, we saw in, we certainly saw in 2018. I think the trends that we saw are just going to continue. There's going to be this compounding effect by nature where possibilities, avenues for growth and opportunity that were, um, were available back in those years are just opening wide up in this next year. I think it, it, what excites me most is that in 2019 and beyond, the barrier to entry is non-existent. 
You know, you have, it makes it so much more competitive, you know, and it's so exciting too, because the opportunity is there. There's, there's absolutely nothing on earth that you, that you can't do. And I believe that I'm not trying to be inspirational or motivational, but I believe within my gut, there's not a single thing on earth that I can't do. There's no excuse. You have the resources. You can learn absolutely anything you want in the world. It's online somewhere. And there's some way that you can learn it. I believe that. So if there, if the excuse is that you don't have the knowledge, you don't have the information, well, that's your own dang fault because you haven't looked hard enough to find it. You just need to go look. It's there. It's waiting for you, right? You need to be rooted in your why to the degree that you're actually able to, to stir yourself up to take action and go and chase it and then fuel that with the experience by being active, right? As you said, an active learner and applying what you're learning. And there's not, not one thing you can't do. So I... I'm just excited. I mean, as far as trends go, I mean, we see trends in towards audio, just like this, that, uh, that maybe four or five years ago, we're, we're barely a thing. Like really we're not a thing. And now podcasts are the thing. Everyone's doing them and they're loving them. Everyone loves podcasts. So these trends like audio, like voice are going to be really interesting to see pan out. Um, and as more people are aware of of what's going on in, in, in the business realm on a, from a corporate level and how things are flawed and how the education system is becoming less and less effective. Like all these different players are kind of, are, are kind of happening at once. And I, uh, I'm just so excited by it. It absolutely just excites me in, in every way possible. And I, I can't wait to see uh, what this next year looks like. Cause quite honestly, I have no idea. I thought 2018 was crazy, but um, I'm learning and I'm seeing some things unfold that are just blowing my mind. Exciting times, man. And complacency kills and never changing world. So always yeah. be getting better, which you know how to do. Always be growing, which you know how to do. So exactly. now how this is one of my final questions, not the final question, but for people, let's turn this into directives, actionable directives and steps for people that don't know how to get started in their thing, whatever they want their thing to be, let's call it entrepreneurship. They, uh, let's, let's paint a general picture. You know, they want to start something. How do they get started and how do they know what to do when they don't know what to do? That's a great question. I actually, I actually took some notes on this in preparation for the call, just to make, just to make sure I kind of answer appropriately. Cause that's, that's, I take a hot, uh, I take responsibility for that. I certainly don't want to point people in the wrong, in the, in the wrong direction. I think uh, one of the first things that comes to mind is to go back to what we were talking about earlier, which is when people, when people want to make money, they have to recognize that you're only getting get paid to the degree that you're valuable to the, to the degree that you bring something to the table that people want. So a lot of times, and, and I actually interviewed someone by the name of Arlen Hamilton. She's a top VC all over the news in many ways. She's, what she told me is that everyone wants to get money. Everyone wants to earn money. Everyone wants to make more money. No one wants to be money. No one wants to become money. And when I say be money or become money, no one wants to skill up. No one wants to increase their own value. So if I could give anyone some insight when they don't, when you don't know what to do, and obviously this depends on where you are in your journey. This certainly depends. There's no one size fits all answer to this, but I, I think it starts with skilling up. When you don't know what to do, invest in yourself, get better, get to the gym, improve your health, improve your wellness, 
increase your skills. Learn from others who have, who have gone before you. Like read the books, do the audios. Like become someone who's passionate and committed to self-improvement. And I believe in that process, while time is, is passing by, opportunities will start presenting themselves to you. Um, situations or people will come to you at the right time. I don't, I and this is something that Tony Robbins says, uh, but I believe that life is not happening to me. It is happening for me. So there's, there's some degree of like spirituality that, that I believe exists in this whole realm. And I believe that that's important, but my first piece of advice would certainly be to skill up and I would not be afraid to lean on other people. When you don't know what to do, you don't have to have all the answers. Why don't you ask someone else? One of the best things that I ever did was go to someone who was way more successful than I was and say, hey man, what would you do if you were me? I value your perspective, I value your, your opinion. And obviously that, come, that does not come without humility. It comes with a high degree of humility that's willing to admit that, hey, I, I have no idea what I'm doing and I need some help. And sometimes that, that's all it takes. And as we both know, people in this space who are successful, and this is what I've certainly learned because I've been in the room with extremely successful people, people that you think you could never even touch, like they wouldn't even give you the, the time of day. These people are the most generous people ever. They want to help. They've been there. By nature, they're problem solvers. Put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to ask for, for permission. Don't be afraid to ask for support. And you might be surprised by what, what comes back to you. Awesome, man. Thank you for that. So where I, now, Mr. Sales, sell people. <laughs> I, I got a nickname already. I'm going to, I'm going to give you an opportunity to sell yourself. Oh. Why should people want to find you online and where can they find you online? So I'm going to answer that in reverse. I'm going to first say uh, where they can find me online. So they can find me online pretty much every, so I'm blessed with a very unique name, right? You don't see Bogdan Padua very often. I don't think any, I don't think anyone on the face of this earth has the name Bogdan Padua with me. I could be completely wrong, but I'm just, I'm just going to go out there. I'm just, I'm just going to put that out there. So uh, fortunately I have pretty much every handle that's just Bogdan Padua on Instagram and LinkedIn. Uh, I'm most active, and my username is just B-O-G-D-A-N-P-A-D-U-A, -A -A, Bogdan Padua. Um, that's where people can find me. Uh, they can also look at our website, which is signature.co. And signature is spelled a little bit differently. It's spelled with a Y, so it's S-Y-G-N-A-T-U-R-E dot C-O. And that's where people can find me. I'm very easily accessible. I love, I love engaging with people. If you go to my Instagram, like I love replying to people. I love asking questions. I love building community. So please don't hesitate to reach out. So that's, that's the second half of your question. That's, that's where people can find me. Now, why people should find me, why people should reach out, why people should kind of follow my journey is because ultimately I, I believe that I, I've done some things that, that are different you know, they might get attention. A lot of people are noticing, right? But the reality is that's not, that's not who I am. That's what I do. It's, it's what I've done. It's what I'm going to do. But that's not who I am. Who I am is a messenger. And what I'm really passionate about, and this is where my, I believe when I look back on my career in 20, 30, 40, 50 years, the things that I will be known for are not these businesses that I build, but the message that I send out into the universe. It's the fact that I want people to, to, to go to chase down their dreams 
from a place of identity, not for it. And the difference is that everyone's going into entrepreneurship or business or they're looking to get a degree because they want to feel like they have something. They want that identity. I believe I'm one of the few people at my age who's reversed it. And I do all these amazing things and great things happen to me because I came, I have that identity first. I recognize that my value does not come from the businesses I build or the amount of money I make or what, or what that looks like from the outside. It's core within me. I'm here for a reason. I have a purpose and a destiny. And from that reality, from that recognition, that awareness, I then am able to approach everything in life with a higher degree of confidence and optimism because I know it's, it's all rigged in my favor. So if I were to answer your question, which is why people should follow me, you want me to sell myself? I think ultimately it's because I want to help people. I have a different message that I guarantee you you're not hearing from other entrepreneurs in the landscape of today. I will reach out and connect because I'm going to make waves. I believe the story that I continue, and my story's not done. We haven't even started. I believe I will be able to, to encourage and equip a generation to step into the fullness of its potential. I believe that in my gut, and I have a commitment to doing that, and I'd love for you to be a part of it. I can back that up, too, because I've really enjoyed following you and keeping up with you and to your point it's different you had this awesome video of you talking on stage about technology and cell phones i believe but before i do get to my final question i i have to acknowledge you speaking of your performance on stage the, you're very well articulated and so much so that you know, no matter, even, even if you were saying some of the same things that other people are saying, even if, which most of the time you're not, but even if you were, the way you speak and the tonality that you use, how you are, you can tell that you are 100% there. You're powerfully present when you speak and that alone, not that this is the end goal, not that this is the the main thing, but that alone will make you millions of dollars throughout your career. And I'm excited to see this trajectory that you're on, man. There's so many things I wanted to acknowledge you for that I thought of throughout the conversation. And if I forget anything and remember it later, I will let you know. But the other thing I wanted to acknowledge you for was you, people don't really, I think you're the first person that's ever asked this to me. I, you know, usually I ask people before the interview, of course, you know, what would make this the best interview you've ever done? And you turned it back on me. And you said, what would make this the best interview you've ever done, Jordan? And I thought about it. And, you know, we had those ground rules set then. And we were, we had common ground on what we expected and wanted to do with this conversation. And you've made this a personal favorite conversation of mine that I've had on the podcast. So I want to, of course, thank you and acknowledge you for some of those things, Bogdan. Thank you, Jordan. I really appreciate that, man. That man, I could get I I could get emotional really quickly, but all that means a lot to me. I, I really appreciate that. So thank you. Yes, of course, brother. And so my final question is: What does life beautifully designed look like to you? Because life is best lived by design. That's what I believe. Yeah. Wow, that's a powerful question. What? Can you ask it again? One more time. Just <laughs> My, my man Bogdan's buying time. What does life beautifully designed look like to you? Life beautifully designed. What does that look like to me? I'll, I'll say this. 
when I look back, and I said this in another interview, it reminded me of it, but when I look back on every single day, I want to be, and I make an effort to do this every single day, I ask myself, did I do everything that I could do to step into the fullness of my potential? Did I do everything I could do? I want to know that I left everything on the field. Did I do everything I could do? But then second to that, and most importantly, did I live in accordance with my values, my beliefs, my convictions? I didn't, I didn't sacrifice any of those things for a temporary pleasure or a temporary goal or temporary satisfaction. I want to make sure every day I'm operating at the highest level. I'm achieving, I'm pushing myself, but I'm also taking care of this, my identity, who I am, what I believe. And no matter what, what shiny object comes in front of me, what temporary pleasure comes, I live in accordance with those values and those beliefs. So life beautifully designed for me looks like one where I'm, I'm taking care of those two things every single day. And I know that if I do that every single day over the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, my life is going to be really, really cool. I really believe that. And there's no, and you know what, if you're listening to this, you should, you should want the same thing. And you shouldn't be ashamed to say that. Don't be ashamed of your greatness. Don't be ashamed of the fact that you want to live an amazing life and you want better for yourself and for your family. I certainly believe that and I, I have no shame in that at all. When I, when I close my eyes and when I think about what I want my life to look like, Jordan, I see myself, to go to your point, and, and the reason I, I could almost break down and cry, man, hearing you, you, you say, just shower me with some of the things that you've said because it, 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 really, it really does mean a lot, especially because some of the struggles that I've had, and I'm sure we'll have another podcast where I'd be happy to dive into them more, but some of the weaknesses that I've had and the, the limitations it's interesting how when I look at my life, when I close my eyes and I look at what I want my life to look like, I see myself speaking on stage in front of tens of thousands of people and writing books and coaching and mentoring, training and leading a generation and to really be the best that they could be. I see myself doing that. And I, what excites me more than anything, more than building businesses, is helping people do that. So I want to make sure when I look back on my life that I did everything that I could, man. I worked my butt off every single day. I didn't leave anything on the table. I lived, number two, in accordance with my values. I didn't sacrifice one bit of that. And I did everything in my power to be the messenger that I believe that I was called to be. I, I have a destiny and a purpose, and so do you. There's nothing, there's something, and I said this, I've said this in every podcast I've ever done because I have a commitment to imparting this message. And everyone, and this will spread because everyone listening to this, well, then it will stick with them. The reality is you have a purpose, you have an identity, you have a potential that, that, that you only have. No one else on this earth can do what you were placed here to do. We're not an accident, you know, and I want to know, looking back at my life, that I've effectively communicated that message and I've left people better than I've found them. And I've left people with this feeling of responsibility, right? Everyone's preaching the good life. No one's preaching responsibility. And I think within that, especially as men, we have a reason for being, a reason to wake up in the morning. And if I can continue spreading that message, I'll look back on my life and I won't have a single regret. Bogdan Padua, you are awesome, my friend. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. There you have it, my friends. This has been another episode of The Growth Mindset University podcast. Now, if you enjoyed this one today, I would really appreciate it if you could leave us a quick five-star rating 
in iTunes. All you have to do is grab your iPhone or iPad, open up the Apple Podcast app, hit the search tab, search the show Growth Mindset University or just search my name, Jordan Paris, tap the show, scroll all the way to the bottom and then just hit that fifth star and that helps us tremendously in ways that you could never even imagine. It means the absolute world to me when people do this. I would be eternally grateful if you do that. We're pushing 100 ratings right now and it's really making a difference for this show. And of course, if you've not already subscribed to the show, just make sure you do that wherever you're listening to so that you don't miss that next episode. I know you're not going to want to miss it. And you only heard this episode today because I thought it was valuable enough to post here. So if you want to share that value with your friends, your family, go ahead and do that. Share this episode with them. Take a screenshot. Send it to them. Take a screenshot. Put it on your Instagram story and tag me at J underscore Paris underscore so that I know you're listening and I can get back to you and put a face to the name. Now, if you're ready to really take your life to the next level, My book is on Amazon. It is also called Growth Mindset University. It's all about how to learn anything, how to take control of your life, and how to fulfill your vision of success. And you're not just supporting me and this channel by getting this book, but you're also getting this awesome book that's going to lay out the rules and principles to design your life full of joy and fulfillment. All right. I love you all so very much. And until next time, my friends, make every day count, live to learn and grow to give. Stay tuned for a clip from our next interview. But first, here's a message from our sponsor. Hey everybody, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsor today, Anchor. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Well, when I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show on Apple Podcasts and all the other places people like to listen? How do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every single one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. And best of all, it is 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors too, so you can get paid to podcast. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing so, then go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. And I can't wait to hear your podcast. And now back to the show. People assume that, oh, I need more discipline. You actually don't need that much. You just need enough discipline to get the habit set up and get it started, get it rolling. And a lot of it comes down to small micro habits. So like there was, there was a research that was done. I'm embarrassed. I can't remember the guy's name. There's a Stanford researcher. He had a hundred students and he told half of them to go home and floss one tooth that evening. So the students, half of the students would floss one tooth. That was their direction. Half of the students were told to floss their teeth every single night. And it turns out the students that were given a smaller task to start out with 
flossed one tooth and inevitably wound up flossing more teeth than the people who were told to floss their teeth every night. So it's just this tiny micro habits. And when we talk about going to the gym, just to, to keep hammering on that example, if you set a smaller goal, like getting up and getting in your car, that's it. That's all you have to do. You get out of bed, you go sit in your car for a second. And if you feel kind of stupid if you don't at least drive to the gym. And then once you get to the gym, you feel stupid if you don't at least go in there and do some push-ups or something. And then you get that habit, just tiny, tiny goals is where you have to start.